It's March 31st, 2021. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have uh, Jared Yip from the Workforce Development Division. Formerly, He was formerly with PCAT, and here, he's here to tell us about the Amazon Web Services Academy and getting cloud certified. And then we'll be uh, joined by Rodrigo Romo. He's the executive director over at Pisces, and we'll talk about the high-altitude, long-exposure drone and other cool things happening. Of course, right now, I want to welcome Jared Yip. And, of course, I said a workforce development uh, program officer over at WDD. And he's uh, also, I have him on because he was formerly with uh, the Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training, or PCAT. And uh, this is a project that he and I kind of both worked on, and it's uh, Amazon Academy, AWS Academy, and and some classes that are being conducted right now. And uh, hey, Jared, I want to welcome you to uh, welcome you to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you, Bert. Thanks for having me. So, Jared, you know uh, Amazon, AWS. Uh, you know we've been we've been interested in in fostering that relationship with uh, with uh, Amazon and. I know um, even before the pandemic, you know, there was a lot of interest in starting up some of the uh, the classes that uh, uh, AWS offered. So kind of walk us through what what happened recently and, and why is it that uh, we have now kind of actually a, a series going on? Yeah, so um, I believe it was earlier in 2020, uh, PCAT, which is, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training, which is mainly housed at Honolulu Community College. Um, we, I say we, like I'm still there, but we officially became an Amazon Web Services training provider earlier that year. And it was sort of uh, kind of serendipitous, right? Because when we were certified as a provider, then then uh, I got to talking to you and you connected me with your folks that um, you work closely with Amazon Web Services. And from there, we set a date for uh, our first uh, class, and this class was uh, 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 Cloud Foundations and Solutions Architect Associate kind of built into one, right? Because for, I think, any Amazon employee, um, Cloud Cloud Foundations is really the the basic level that you need. And and so really anybody who uses that system needs that um, certification. So it's that coupled with uh, Solutions Architect Associate, which is kind of the baseline for um, the cloud-based uh, services provider that the AWS platform is on. Um, so we, I believe the class started on March 1st, and it rolls out. So you do Cloud Foundations, and right after that, you start um, Solutions Architect Associate. And this class is a boot camp style, so it's really, I think it's Monday through fr- Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 a.m. 9 to 11.30 a.m., really fast-paced, really a um, lot of information to kind of take in, um, and it ends on the 22nd of April. So oh, okay. And then there's, a, there's, a, there's actually classes coming up in May as well as uh, July, so it's kind of an ongoing thing. And, and, Jared, I wanted to add that, you know, one of the things that was of, of real interest and, and kind of why I got involved is because, you know, once the – Pandemic hit and everybody's, uh, you know, sequestered at home. Uh, there was a lot of interest in remote work, and the the thing that was really uh, 
intriguing about uh, Amazon and AWS was that they were not only interested in in uh, making these classes available, but they were also positioning uh, folks that are here in Hawaii uh, able to be certified to potentially work for companies elsewhere. Yep, yep. And, and that's the whole point, right, is to, uh, to try and see if we can get folks employed, you know, whether it be local companies, mainland companies, but work, working here, um, working here in Hawaii, um, living here, um, you know, you're, you're spending their living dollars here, but um, but being able to contribute and, and work remotely uh, for whichever company um, they're with that uses the AWS platform. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think uh, I think it was kind of serendipity, and and it just really kind of fit the fit the model for not only technology training and upskilling, but also filling the poss- you know the the opportunity of of potential work uh, for companies that are here at a, that are interested in, in AWS as well as companies elsewhere that are enabling the remote workforce. So I think it was a, a great combination. Now, <clears throat> so you're, you're kinda, you've kind of moved on from, from uh, PCAN and, and you're over at the Workforce Development Division. I mean, are you still involved in this area of, of uh, upskilling and, and getting sort of the workforce uh, really prepared for the the digital economy? Yeah, so it, it's nice because I'm doing a lot of the same work um, with the same players, really. I, I'm, I'm still closely following this cohort that um, that's uh, ongoing and looking forward to the next cohort. Um, one of the big initiatives that at least we have here at the Department, uh, State of Hawaii Department of Labor and Industrial Relations is apprenticeship. There's a lot of federal apprenticeship dollars out there. Um, there are a couple projects or grants that we currently have and that we will be applying for in the near future. Um, I guess it, it's no secret, but my, my, my big plan is I would love to have uh, AWS certification rolled up with some kind of apprenticeship, right? So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. somebody is hired right off the bat, maybe entry level, um, goes through the Cloud Foundation certification, um, solutions architect, um, possibly the rest of the sequence. I guess you can you can really go as high as you want. Amazon has has a lot of certifications out there, um, and um, you know, so they will be earning um, you know earning a living while they're while they're getting trained and getting all these certifications. No, that's great. So, so Jared, where can people find out more information about uh, uh, these uh, AWS? Uh, uh, academy classes that are being being uh, made available. Yes, I'm going to do a plug for my old workplace. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it's pcat.org, p-c-a-t-t dot org, and slash cloud hyphen computing. Or you can just go to pcat.org um, and search under the courses bar um, and look under cloud computing. So all of our Amazon Web Services class are listed under cloud computing. Sounds good. I'll put that up on our show notes for later on tonight. Mahalo, Jared, for joining us. Thank you, Bert. I appreciate it, and I'll I'll talk to you soon. Okay, mahalo. And, of course, uh, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Rodrigo Romo, talk about uh, Pisces and, of course, the high-altitude long-exposure drone. This is Bite Marks Cafe. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Bavarian Motor Experts. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now I'm happy to welcome Rodrigo Romo, Executive Director of the Pacific International Space Center for Exploration Systems, also known as Pisces. And of course, we refer to it uh, in the rest of the show as Pisces. And of course, uh, we're going to be talking about um, UASs, uh, unmanned aerial systems, and the high altitude long exposure drone project. Hey, Ro- uh, Rodrigo, welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Hey, how's it, Bird? Uh, mahalo for having me in your show again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, you know, I was uh, looking at the notes, and, and I had you on, I think, I don't know, maybe it was maybe October around there. We were talking about uh, women women in uh, technology. You guys had a whole series of women in sort of yes, science we, we and space had, technology. We've had two two sessions already of the Wise Talk series. It's being sponsored by uh, Microsoft and the Hawaii Science and Technology Museum, and it's been really great. Yeah, that's great, and and you know, maybe maybe Pisces is one one of those. Uh, it's kind of like Nelha, you know, one of those uh, well kept secrets. And and Pisces has been around for for a while now. And you know, what are, what are some of the, the activities that you guys are taking taking part in uh, over on the Big Island? So we we are involved in, in, in multiple areas. Uh, primarily, our primary focus is to promote the aerospace industry in the mm-hmm. state. Uh, so we are involved in, in long-term economic development uh, projects involving aerospace projects. We're also involved in, in workforce development and outreach programs. And we also do applied research uh, for space exploration. And and how long have you guys been around? I mean, it's been probably a good, uh, what, more than a decade, right? Uh, at the, about that time, uh, yeah, uh, Pisces originated under the University of Hawaii, and in about 2012 or 13, it was transferred over to DBIT. Uh, mm-hmm. And funny how, how things work in life in cycles. It looks like uh, we're looking at the possibility of going back uh, into the University of Hawaii system. And, and, and that's what, predicated on, on some of the things that's happening in the, in the legislature right now? Correct. There, there is a couple of things that need to move forward in the legislation uh, to secure our, our future and our position uh, for the coming next couple of years. And would it, um, <clears throat> you know, being being uh, more closely aligned with the university, how do you see it perhaps uh, changing or impacting your mission? You know, it has pros and cons. Uh, there's definitely going to be a lot of. of uh, um, benefits uh, in the way we do research and we bring in our research grants and access to some of the facilities and assets that the university has. Uh, so in that sense, it's going to be, I think, very uh, productive for, for us. On the economic development side, it's going to be a bit tricky how we, we handle that, but I, I believe that we're still going to be able to engage with economic development activities such as the um, the Hale UAS, the High Altitude Long Endurance Unmanned Aerial Systems projects we're working on. Mm-hmm. So I think in, in, in the long run, it's, it's going to even out. I think it's going to be a good move. So when when you talk about the university, and you know, again, it's it's sort of still predicated on some of the legislation. Uh, would you would you uh, actually reside on on UH Hilo campus, or where do you currently have your offices? No, most likely we have our office at the Hilo Business Lagoon Center here in downtown Hilo. Mm-hmm. Uh, most likely we would keep these these facilities here uh, 
for, for our operations. We're already established in here, and it's a good place to be. So, I mean, there, there's still a lot of unknowns. If, if, if this uh, move does take place, there's still a lot of things that we need to figure out, uh, our office space being one of them. And and uh, currently, how many how many folks are part of Pisces in your office? Uh, you know, we... we it's it's kind of amazing how much we do with with how many how little people we have. We have uh, three full time employees and two part time employees. And then in the summertime, uh, we we try to work with the university and bring in uh, university interns. Sometimes we you know anywhere from two to four interns working with us during the summertime. Mm-hmm. And then when the when the interns work with with you, are they is it part of any kind of a uh, coursework or is it pretty much kind of uh, you know? self-initiated, self-motivated uh, uh, intern projects? No. Well, a little bit of both. We usually have uh, two tracks for the summer interns. One is in, in material science and one is in robotics. So some, many times we already have projects for the students to jump into and, and complete. Other times we give them a little bit of freedom and let them design their own projects, uh, especially with, with the uh, robotics side. Uh, we can all, we also work with uh, the community college and the university here in trying to develop uh, credit-based uh, internships that go through the either the fall or the spring semester. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess when when it when it does become kind of more official, I would I would imagine that uh, you would be m- much more tightly coupled with some of the uh, the studies and the curriculum and and actually uh, getting students involved with potential you know research projects. Yeah, that that is one of the ideas and one one of the thoughts that we've had. Absolutely, uh, actually, we're we're working right now with UH Manoa, Imiloa, and the Hawaii Community College and Keao High School in applying for a NASA grant uh, that that's supposed to to promote STEM education for minority students and and women's studies and, and science. So you know that that would uh, that fits very nicely with the university plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Pisces has always been involved with. Uh, the unmanned aerial systems projects, right? I mean, and uh, actually, no, 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 we have not. Uh, we we really just jumped into the UAS, uh, uh, the High Altitude Long Endurance Pro Project, last summer in collaboration with the Hawaii Space Flight Lab, and we're trying to find a way to to retain Haps Mobile in the state. Uh, Haps Mobile was meant to start flying out of Lanai uh, last year, but because of the pandemic and some other uh, zoning issues, they were not able to fly out of there. So they decided to move over to uh, New Mexico, to the Spaceport America. Uh, but HAPS has uh, expressed interest in, in making Hawaii one of their operating hubs. So it's looking right now like uh, we might be able to bring them over to Hawaii once they're completed their their um, test flight stage, once they're ready to go into a commercial operations. And if we can do that, that would be really good for Hawaii uh, from the economic development side, job creation, and it has the possibility of providing uh, statewide Internet using uh, their platforms. Right. So what you're referring to is the HAPS Mobile. And HAPS Mobile, uh, if I recall, was a high-altitude platform system, something like that. And, and Yeah, it, it has multiple high-altitude platform system, high-altitude pseudo uh, satellite is another uh, term they use. It's basically a drone that, that is solar-powered, and it can stay up in the air for months at a time. It flies at, at the same as described at high altitude. They, they tend to fly in the 60 to 65, 70,000 feet elevation, mm-hmm. so way higher than commercial airliners. 
but much lower than, than low-Earth uh, orbit satellites. The advantage is that they can stay flying over one location for indefinite periods of time, uh, providing multiple service, which can include uh, cellular signal down to the ground either, uh, with 4G or LTE cellular signal, uh, or many other remote sensing operations that can include, you know, ocean water, sea level rise, ocean temperature, ocean acidification. They can track tropical storms, lava flows, agricultural pests uh, like rapid ojia dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can do a lot of a lot of sensing uh, at a much much lower cost than a satellite can. Right, and and uh, this was a project that was. Uh, trying to establish itself on Lanai, and I think you just mentioned that that uh, because of the pandemic, uh, a lot of that operation kind of moved to uh, New Mexico, right? Well, the, the, the pandemic basically put a, a halt to the work that was being done in Lanai. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some uh, issues related to the zoning of, of the Lanai airfield that also threw a wrench into the equation. So right now, uh, the Lanai site has not been completely ruled out, uh, but at the same time, we are looking for um, alternative sites where they can operate from. And and in in the course of, uh, you know, your presence on the Big Island, I mean, uh, are there opportunities for the, let's say, the facility to to be established, uh, you know, somewhere on the Big Island? Absolutely. There's a lot of... of, um, benefits uh, on the Big Island. You know, we have we have a university campus here. We have a community college here. Uh, we have uh, the Hilo Airport is, is underutilized, so it, it, it would be look, interested in looking for new tenants. Um, we have deep-sea water ports. So we have all the infrastructure required. Uh, weather in Hilo can be a problem, especially right now for the early uh, test flight stage. That's why I'm saying that we may want to bring them once they've completed their, their test flight uh stages and the ready to fly commercial. But there are, you know, we have plenty of land also. Uh, and these are, as I mentioned, solar-powered uh, aircraft. They do not carry any fuel on them. It's clean energy, uh, renewable energy. Uh, they're very, very quiet. So they, they make no noise at all. Um, it, it's a really interesting and fascinating technology. People can look it up on, on YouTube and, and on the Internet. Yeah, no, I'll post uh, I'll post a link to uh, Haps Mobile, and and people can and read read up about it. You know, I I do want to ask you about. Uh, I I remember you mentioning to me some of the logistic challenges that uh, would perhaps need to be considered if, you know, there were um, possible you know use of the the Hilo Airport or or, or a commercial airport that's you know that's currently in in place. And and I'd like to you know have you explain that because, you know it's not it's not as simple as uh, flight control you know monitoring these uh, these drones and having them you know um, uh, giving them you know landing landing um, uh, OKs you know from from flight control. So anyway, we'll hold that thought. We'll be right b- back after this short break to uh, continue our conversation with Rodrigo Romo, and we're talking about aerospace. We're talking about UAS, and we're talking about the high altitude. Uh, long exposure drones, and this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Rodrigo Romo from Pisces about aerospace and the high-altitude long-exposure drone project. 
And, of course, right before the break, uh, you know, there is uh, some interesting conversations about, uh, you know, if if the drones were to perhaps, you know, use uh, the the runways on, on a commercial <clears throat> um, air airfield, uh, what would be the some of the considerations that, that need to be taken into, um, you know, thought about in terms of actually making that happen and having, you know, both commercial and, and drone usage? Well, you know, the... the and let, let, let's make some um, clarifications here. The, these are aircraft that have been in development for over 20 years, so the technology has advanced quite significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are still, uh, they're still doing test flights, uh, but last, last October, Hapsmobile completed a successful 65,000-foot feet uh, elevation test flight in New Mexico, and were able to successfully beam down uh, 4G signal down to the ground. So they're, they're getting there. Uh, but because they're still in, this, in the test flight mode, they, they have different requirements for the use of runways that makes the use of a commercial airport not feasible. Once they get past the commercial the, the test flight mode and go into commercial operations, then taking off of a runway from an airport is just like any other aircraft. Actually, it'll take uh, it takes a very short distance for these aircraft to take off. Uh, their Haps Mobile aircraft is, is very wide. It's just a giant wing that's about 240 feet wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it flies at very low speeds, and once it takes off, it will go off over the ocean and start a spiral climb until it reaches uh, the entire altitude. Uh, they they require to take off and land during low wind uh, conditions, which tends to be at the pre-dawn areas, which is also a time where there's very low air traffic at the airport. Mm-hmm. So the takeoffs and landing of this air- aircraft would be taking place when there's really no other use for, for the runway. And once they're up and out of the way, you know, the airport continues to operate just as normal. Okay, I got it. You so do, you do require you do require a runway that's wide enough to accommodate for the wheelbase of the aircraft. That would be the only uh, probable modification that has to be made uh, at, at an airport. So, in the current uh, um, design of the runways, uh, let's say Hilo, uh, would it need to be expanded? Uh Width-wise, not length-wise. Right. I mean, the, yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that these aircraft, uh, they're, they're so light that they can take off or land on, on gravel, on grass, or pavement. So you don't need a, a very heavy structurally built runway like you would do for, for commercial uh, jetliners. So you can really just make a, a runway out of a grass surface that's wide enough and long enough for the for the aircraft to take off and land, and and it's it's fairly easy and inexpensive to to do that. So is it uh, <clears throat> is it a uh, consideration to perhaps uh, build your own runway uh, separate from the commercial airport that uh, is currently you know in in existence? Is it is it cheaper that, to do that, something else? Yeah, that, that's a good question. That that is an option. So right now we're looking at, at alternative sites, different sites where where either if things uh, were to move forward, uh, hops could we could develop a, a uh, uh, dedicated airfield for their test flight stage, or if we're going to wait until their commercial flight, you know, look for for area areas where a runway could be built uh, to meet the requirements and would be a dedicated runway for them. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know you're you're um, uh, sharing quite a bit of 
very interesting information about you know the the opportunity for economic development of course this aerospace uh, uh industry and and uh, a whole you know maybe segment of uh some new technology that could be brought to Hawaii and I think you Correct. you kind of mentioned this early uh and this was primarily being done out of uh you know the uh, office of aerospace but but that's that's kind of evolving as well so uh do you see Pisces kind of taking on the you know the mantle of of supporting the UAS project and and uh you know this uh Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know uh, another good question. Actually on on one of the bills that is moving forward with with uh with the transfer over to uh UH, they also add to the list of responsibilities of Pisces to continue developing the UAS program. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. While right now we've been unofficially working on it, uh, it looks like if the bills do go through, it will be official that Pisces will be uh, spearheading the, the trying to develop this program in the state. No, that's and <clears throat> you know that that is exciting because that that's sort of the you know you you mentioned earlier the, the the research component that you could embrace just being a part of the university environment, but you know the economic development part. I mean, this is very closely linked. Uh, all these activities it, that you're talking about, UASs, are closely linked to economic development. It's huge because, I mean, from from every, every angle you look at it, uh, you would ha- this would open the opportunity to create new tracks at both the university and the community college for like uh, UAS uh, aircraft technicians, UAS uh, pilots. So that that's on the education side. If the other thing that's worth mentioning is that. There's, all, there's a few places in the world that are suitable for uh, launch and recovery of these uh, hail UAS for the, for the communication purposes that, that they want them to. Hawaii is one of them. Uh, the intent is to develop a huge network of these aircraft around the world to provide Internet service to uh, rural and difficult-to-reach communities. That means that each one of these operating hubs will have a high turnover ratio of these aircraft that come down for maintenance while another one goes up. Mm-hmm. So if Hawaii were to be one of those hubs, we would have a an aircraft uh, restoration, refurbishing, and maintenance facility where, where aircrafts will be brought down, cleaned, payloads upgraded, uh, you know, serviced, and that would require technicians, engineers, maintenance people, electronics. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a really promising opportunity for Hawaii. Now, uh, you know, I think it's it's uh, uh, important to mention that uh, the there's some significant funding behind the whole uh, Hale project. I mean, and, and SoftBank is still a, a major investor in this, right? Correct. SoftBank is, a, the, is one of the primary investors in, in the Habs Mobile Group. Air Environment is the company that's designing and building the, the aircraft. So, yeah, they, they are definitely properly funded. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and like I say, our environment has been doing a lot of progress with, with their aircraft right now. And like you, you also mentioned, I mean, kind of the business model is really providing Internet access to uh, rural and remote uh, remote areas. Exactly. So so that would be, and right now, you know, as Governor Ige has mentioned, that it's one of his top priorities to be able to provide Internet access to the whole state. Uh, this would be one way of, of reaching out those difficult to get to uh, communities that are isolated uh, geographically, or you know, there, there's a lot of places on, on, on the island. So, Rodrigo, given the terrain, we got just right. a few seconds left. Uh, where can people find out more about Pisces and and uh, Hale? So, uh, 
tail, uh, they can look for soft uh, soft banks or Haps Mobile. Uh, for Pisces, Pisces, our website is specificspacecenter.com altogether. Good. And they can sign up for our newsletter and find everything that's happening with Pisces. I'll there. put that up on our show notes for later on tonight. Rodrigo Romo is the executive director of Pisces. I want to thank you for joining us today. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we'll have the first day of the spring fun drive. And we'll talk to the Department of Education about leveraging tech for blended learning. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chung. You can catch us on HBR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HBR app, iTunes, Google, Podcast, and Stitcher. You stay safe and stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.